Oh, as I mentioned, my name is Braden Hilton. Uh, I actually am from Ruston. Right now, I'm a graduate student at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm getting my degree in uh, theological studies. So I've been over there for about two weeks now. I'm trying to get adjusted, get used to Fort Worth. They have a lot worse roads than Ruston. But I understand whenever people come to Ruston, they say, man, all these one-ways are horrible. I've driven the wrong way on a one-way like five times already, and I'm like, oh, man, and Ruston, there's so much more. So I, can't, I can only sympathize with you guys how awful that it is. But I got my undergrad from Louisiana Tech uh, in accounting. I went to Ruston High, so I'm a homegrown boy, and now I'm off in a different place for the first time, and I'm kind of getting my feet. But I'm very excited to be here this morning. I'm uh, thankful for the opportunity just to get to speak to you all. And I really hope God has something to say to you all this morning. I know we just did it, but we're going to pray one more time and then we're going to dive on into it. So bow with me. I just ask that you take a moment and you just uh, pray for yourself. Pray that the stress of life kind of fades away. Pray that everything that's clouding your, your mind right now, you know, things after this or things before this, that it just kind of, it fades out. And in this next, in this next moment, you just focus on what, Christ has for you this morning. Now that I just ask that you pray for me, that everything in my life kind of fades away, the stress that I have with uh, my school and everything, it just fades out, and I focus on bringing God's word to you this morning and not my own. Lord God, we love you and we thank you so much. We are so excited that we get to be here this morning, that we get to dive into your word. God, I thank you for the opportunity to bring your word to these people. I pray that I'm nothing but a vessel and that each person this morning man, walks out of here with something that obviously you are speaking to them about. Bless this time. In Christ's name, amen. Well, it's a great season. It's fall. I love the fall. I love the cooler weather. I love like October, November, and December are like the three best months of the year. You know, you get the cool weather in October. I'm not a big Halloween guy, but it's just a great month. You know, it's no, because Thanksgiving, you get a lot of food. December, you get Christmas, which you get more food. And as you can tell from my physique, I'm, I'm a guy who likes food. And, but the greatest part about fall, man, is, is football. Football's back. I got to watch my Bulldogs yesterday almost pull it out. A couple calls, a couple plays go the other way, man, and we, we won it. We beat the SEC. SEC kind of had a bad day yesterday, if you're a big fan. But we'll pray for them this morning later on. But I feel like a sport that gets left out a lot is cross-country. I know a couple of our students are big cross-country runners. If it, you might not be able to tell, but at one point in time, I was a cross-country runner in the fourth grade. Uh, fourth grade, I was, honestly, I was bigger than I am now, and my, I went to Hillcrest. Hillcrest had just started a, a cross-country program. One of my good friends, like Tracy, she was really small, and she was like, I like to run. Let's go run. I was like, well, okay. Her mom, I think her mom, this was all a ploy for, like, to end childhood obesity in me, but... I wasn't very good if there was a race that was like 85 people. I was pumped whenever I got into the 70s. Like I was, oh yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't 80, you know, it was, you know, 79 out of 85. It's like, oh, it looks like I beat 10 people. I only beat six. I got the uh, most team spirit award. I think that was the main, the only reason they gave me that is why I did it again next year because I didn't really like running, you know, that was that one mile run almost killed me every time, but I felt like I was going too fast, but honestly, Man, I was just too big for the sport. There's a reason my cross-country career didn't last past fifth grade. You know, a 150-pound little boy didn't, didn't work real well doing cross-country. I was too big. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at a situation where 
man, we might be asking ourselves, is it too big? That's the question I want to throw out this morning. You know, in your life, are you looking at, man, opportunities? Are you looking at things? And you're going to say, oh, that's, that's really too big for me. We're going to be in John 6, and we're probably going to dive into a passage that you've already heard before. And if you haven't, I'm excited to share it with you for the first time. If you have, I hope that Christ brings new light to this passage. Uh, But we're going to go ahead and dive on in. And we're in John 6, starting in verse 1. It said, Sometimes after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. A great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he had performed healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside, sat down with his disciples. All right, so just a little background. Before this point, Christ has been doing a lot of miracles. It was kind of the beginning of his ministry. He turned water into wine. He was raised up, you know, dead people. He raised the sick, you know, all these things. He'd been doing a lot of ministry. Even in the uh, sister passage to this in the book of Mark, he says, all right, we're tired. We need to get some rest. So my first main point this morning is, man, these guys were tired. These guys knew the life of ministry was hard. They knew that, man, things just got tough. And even Christ himself said, look, we need a little break. What I want to throw out to you guys is, man, sometimes the biggest opportunities in our life don't come whenever we're 100%. Sometimes what God has for us, sometimes what God, you know, is pouring into us, it might come whenever we're tired, it might come whenever school is busy, it might come whenever, you know, work is just getting tough, and you might look at it, you might say, oh, maybe let's pass it on to the next guy, I'm kind of, I'm kind of worn out. We're going to go deeper into this passage, and I think we're going to, we're going to realize the correct answer to that. But my first main thing is, don't let, don't let your weakness, don't let your exhaustion, don't let the busyness of the fall... Don't let it be an excuse as to why you can't do big things for Christ. Continue reading. It goes on and it says, The Jewish Passover festival is near. When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming towards him. And he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in his mind what he was going to do. Alright, so he's sitting on, they're all sitting on this big hill, looking at this nice grassy plain. And these throngs of people just come up. You know, masses and masses. And they're looking out. And I'm thinking all these disciples are like, man, we just never get a break. You know, we just, oh, God. If following this Jesus guy was this much work, you know, I, I don't know. But they're thinking, man, this is hard. And he looks to Philip, one of the disciples. We don't get much into Philip, but we do get a little bit. And he looks at Philip and he says, all right, where are we going to get all of this food to feed all these people. And my main question is, why Philip? Why this one guy? Why not ask the twelve? Why not ask Peter? He's more known. Why not ask Matthew or John? He's writing the book. Why Philip? I think there's three reasons. One, Philip was probably from this area. We know earlier in his calling and earlier that where they were, it was about, you know, it was right outside of his hometown. So if anybody knew where to get food, where to send them to a marketplace, where to get enough to feed them, it would be Philip. He would know. Next, I think this was almost Philip's job amongst the twelve. We know from the Bible that, you know, they each kind of had things to do. Judas handled the money and he was kind of the treasurer. I think Philip might have been 
almost like the logistics man. Almost the man who said, all right, this is where we need to stop for food because we won't see food for another, you know, three days. We need to really fill up here. So this was maybe one of Philip's strengths. His logistics side and what really ends up to be the, the death of him. Man, maybe that's why Philip, he was looked at Philip. But I think almost the main reason and the third application is, man, it, it says it right here. He already knew what he was going to do, but he's looking to test Philip. He looked at Philip and he, I think he wanted to show Philip, all right, this is an area that you've got to work on. Whenever things come in our life, whenever we're, man, we feel like God's calling us, you've got to ask yourself, all right, why is he asking me this? Is he asking me this, you know, because I'm good at it? Is he asking it because it's going to pull, it, pull me out of my comfort zone? Is he asking me this, man, to show something? Because Philip, man, whenever Christ first called Philip, he ran and he got Nathaniel and he said, come see the Messiah. Philip started out great. But I think Christ here was going to show him something that, man, if you really want to take it to the next level with me, if you really want to go from here to here and impact thousands, we're going to have to work on this step. So we're going to look at Philip's response. And he says, Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each person to have only a bite. I think, honestly, Philip was already trying to figure this out in his head. I think he was looking at this and he was like, man, how is this going to happen? I know there's this market. They're kind of pricey. You know, it's all that natural food. You know, it's organic, so it costs a little bit more. So he's like, all right, this is going to take half a year's wages. He said, man, it just, it can't happen. He looked at this situation. He looked at these thousands of people in front of him, and he said, it's just too big. Once again, in that sister passage in Mark, it alludes to the disciples said, they asked Jesus, man, send them away so that they can go get something to eat. It actually says that they wanted them to get fed. They understand, man, these people are probably very hungry, but man, we can't do it. Send them away. Send them out to the countryside so that they can get some food, and then we'll bring them back, and we can talk to them and all that stuff. Philip let logistics, Philip let the human things of this world put a cap on what Christ can do. How often are we Philip in our lives? How often does Christ look at us and he says, all right, how are we going to do this? And you say, well, it doesn't really happen. How often does Christ look at us and he says, all right, that coworker, that guy that you know doesn't go to church anywhere, how are we going to get him to come to church with you? How are we going to get him to share your story? Oh, well, God, I don't, I don't know. You know, it's going to make work awkward if I bring this up. You know, maybe, maybe that's, you know, that's it. You know, I can't do it. Somebody else. Somebody that doesn't see him every day. That's the better person for it. How often do we want to have conversations with our kids and we want to say, hey, you know, this is what Christ is doing in my life right now. This is what I'm reading in my quiet time. This is what I'm, you know, getting out of my relationship with Christ right now. And I want to show you this because you're my, you're my child. And I want you to be raised up in Christ. How often do we start those conversations with our children? How often do we say, you know, that's a small step that I can take? Or do we go, ah, oh, well, that's kind of the youth minister's job. That's kind of the children pastor's job. That's not really up to me. I'm not trained enough to do it. Because in the end, these people wanted the thousands of them to be fed. They said just send them away to do it. I feel like a lot of times we want great things to happen to people in our lives, but we don't want to do it. 
we say, send them to the next guy. Send them for way, people that are more qualified. God, I trust you that you can do it on your own. It'll happen in themselves. Send them to the next person. Or how often do we do this? He says it would take half a year's wages. Philip says, all right, if we had about a half a year, bring them back and we'll do it then. How often do we look at Christ and we say, all right, okay, I really need to share my, my life with this coworker. Give me about six months, you know. Give me a, a year or two before we're really, really good friends. And I, How often do we push the time back? Six months comes and he says, oh, I need six more. Oh, we need, to, we need to give him more than just a bite. We need to give him a whole nine-course meal. So in ten years, God, I am ready. I am ready to share the gospel with this guy. Philip had every excuse in the book to say, this is too big. And he missed an opportunity. If we can continue to read, there's another guy that comes on the scene. And it says in verse 8, Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves, two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So we have this guy, Andrew, and he walks up, and he kind of has a, he has a solution. He doesn't think it's a very good solution, but he has a solution. And I, I feel for Andrew in this sense, because he says, it's always, anytime Andrew mentioned in the Bible, most times it's Andrew... Simon Peter's brother. Like Andrew was never his own. I'm the youngest of three sons. I have my oldest brother who uh, he teaches in Alexandria at Alexandria Senior High. My middle brother who is getting his doctorate from Georgia Tech. And then there's me. And me and my middle brother are, you know, obviously closer in age because he's the middle. And he was a very, very competitive guy. Now, none of us are athletic. You know, we, I can't kick, I mean, I played sports, but I'm not athletic. I played offensive line because you hit the person right in front of you. Like, it, you know, we're literally touching helmets before it starts. You know, that's it's just not athletic. That's just who I am. And Ethan is less athletic than me. So, you know, he was really competitive, but he couldn't do it in sports. Ethan did it in school. He would like, he was the person that everybody hated to have class with. Ethan would go and he'd say, all right, teacher gives a curve. I'm going to get a hundred so nobody else can get a curve like that guy. And man, and Ethan was like, oh man, if I don't get a 100, man, I failed. If I'm second, I might as well get an F. Like Ethan, Ethan was too intense about his schoolwork, but I mean, he's getting his doctorate from Georgia Tech, so I guess it really worked out for him. He's going to be an engineer, but I mean, he's, he's got a good future set up because of his competitiveness. But whenever I came into high school, Whenever I started to have the teachers that Ethan had, they expected that from me. They expected that I was going to be this go-getter. Man, to me, uh, like 89.5 is just as good as 100, you know. I, I like to call myself an achiever. I don't overachieve. You know, I just achieve. Like, I get there, and I'm like, oh, it's good. You know, my mom would say, Braden, you only have a 92. I said, that means that's two points extra. You know, I could give that to the next guy. Man, I'm good. And I think that's how Andrew was, man. They looked at Peter. Peter was a hothead. Peter, man, he flew off the handle a lot. He was obviously very boisterous. And it was like, man, and then there was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. I feel for this guy. I think to really understand what Andrew, was, what Andrew did here, we have to look earlier in John and whenever we meet Andrew. And it says in verse 40, it said, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Again, Simon isn't even like, recognized at this point, And he's already Simon Peter's brother in the Bible. It's just, I feel for you, Andrew. Me and him will have long talks in heaven one day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. 
The first thing Andrew did was he went to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Andrew was walking with uh, John the Baptist at this point, and he was learning under John the Baptist. He was kind of like getting, he was really excited about what was happening. He realized, man, this is the time of the Messiah. Like, man, we're going to get to see him. And he saw Christ, and he, he witnessed Christ, and Christ said, man, come see where I live. Come follow me. And Andrew was so excited. The first th- it says the first thing he did is he ran to tell his brother. He ran to tell this outspoken, kind of crazy, you know, it, Peter could have gotten mad and chopped off his ear. I mean, he had practice at it. Like, but that was the first thing that he did. That's what he was so excited about. He says, man, I'm going to go tell my brother about this Messiah that we found. He said, come with me. He didn't just tell him, man, he, he showed him to Christ. This was Andrew was known for. Later on in John, it says some Greeks came up and they wanted to see Christ. And someone actually brought the Greeks to Andrew to take the Greeks to Christ. So it goes to show, man, constantly Andrew was bringing people to meet Christ. Andrew was so excited about what Christ was doing. He wasn't, you know, one of the core four. He wasn't one of the, the big boys. You know, he's Simon Peter's brother. He doesn't even get his own name in the Bible by itself. But he would unapologetically, man, show people the Savior. So knowing that about Andrew, whenever we look at what he did in John 6, I think it brings great new meaning. It says, Andrew Simon Peter spoke up and he said, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves, two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Even Andrew, man, at this point, he says, I don't know how much you can really do with this. I mean, this is like barely anything, but here you go. Andrew took what literally he had next to him, which was this little boy who gave all he had. Man, and Andrew said... This couldn't feed me very well, but if there's someone that can make it work, it's the Savior of the world. How often do we do that? Parents, how often do we think, man, I'm not the world's best speaker. I can't really tell my kids everything that they need to know about Jesus Christ and the theology and everything. But man, I can pour into my children's life. I can get them into church. How often they can be there. And I will make a promise to you, God, that I'll raise my kid up under your word, and you can take that little bit and you can feed 5,000 men. How often do we walk up and we say, man, I know my neighbor really needs the, the Lord. My neighbor, man, he obviously just, I know from his lifestyle that he doesn't go anywhere on a Sunday. Lord God, I'm gonna tell, man, I'm going to take my little offering of just my story, my invitation to church with me, and me feeding them breakfast and having lunch with them after church. I'm going to take that little bitty piece of bread and fish that I have to give, and I'm going to give it to the man that can feed 5,000 men. That's what Andrew was doing here. He didn't have much to give, and he even admitted it. But he said, I'm going to give it to the man that can make something out of it. You know, Christ says, with the faith of a mustard seed, you, you can look to a mountain and say, move, and it'll move. I mean, it's a mustard seed that we need, and we just have to have faith in that Savior, the man that can really feed 5,000 men. And we go on and we read what Christ did. 
And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves, and he blessed it. And he distributed those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. Christ went above and beyond at this point. As Christ always does, he went above and beyond anything that Andrew could have imagined. Anything that Philip could have imagined. Anything that disciples could imagine. He took what little Andrew gave, man, and he blessed it. And he fed 5,000 men. Man, who knows how many people were there whenever women and children came into the picture. Christ went above and beyond at this point. So that's my question to you. I think the biggest question that runs out in our daily lives is do we want Christ to do something big in our life? That's what it comes down to. It's not a question of if he can. It's not a question of, man, are we able? It's do we want Christ to do something huge in our life? Because we see from this story a little bitty piece of bread. Man can give someone the bread that will never leave them hungry. The bread that will fill them up to where they, they can't take anymore. They push away and they have extras. This morning, will we look out see the opportunities that we have around us, and maybe for the first time in our lives we're going to say, you know what, I don't have a lot, but I'm going to be the man that speaks up and does what Christ has for me. Let's pray. Maybe you're here this morning and you've you've never had that bread that Christ has given Maybe you've never uh, experienced Christ as your Savior. And if you're ready to do that this morning, I ask that you pray this with me. You just say, Lord God, I am a sinner. I've fallen short of your impeccable standards, God. But I believe that Christ is your Son. I believe that Christ died for me. That by His shed blood, man, I am saved. And I commit my life to Him this morning. I want to be a person that takes these little loaves and spreads it to as many people as I can. Amen. Corey's going to give an invitation. And man, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I just, I encourage you, please come forward, talk to a minister. We'd love to get to talk to you about that. We're so excited. And Christian, maybe this morning you've realized you've been pushing off, man, things that Christ has been wanting you to do. Opportunities to feed 5,000. Maybe you've been pushing it back. Maybe say next week, next month, next year. And maybe this morning, man, Christ has told you, it's time now for you to give me what little you have and you come to me. Man, you can do that at your seat. You can come up here and talk with the minister. You can pray at the altar. But I ask in this time that you respond. You must stand.